Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. This is Stefan Gonick, and this is our live monthly Finding Love Q&A call. I've got people who are live with me on the call, and I also have uh, a bunch of questions that were sent to me by email in advance. And so I'm going to kind of go back and forth between those. <clears throat> you know, if you're for those people who are listening live in the call, if at any point along the way, while I'm talking, you know, you have a question or a comment or anything like that, you know, feel free to raise your hand or type in the chat box. And for those of you who are online. Um, and are able to speak, you you can raise your hand either on the phone or, um, well, it depends if you called in, then it'd be on the phone. You'd hit star two to raise your hand. And if you're using the kind of online version where you're talking through your computer, um, there's a button you can press on to raise your hand. So whichever way you want to do it, you you don't have to wait until I'm done talking. Go ahead and raise your hand or type a chat message first, and as soon as I have a chance to respond, I will. And that way we can kind of keep things going too, so there won't be like long breaks in between things. So like I said, I have a bunch of questions that have been emailed in advance, and um, I also want to make sure I answer all the questions for you live folks. So please do jump in as soon as you can. I notice that people usually like me to warm up with one of the uh, email questions first, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. but I encourage you not to wait too long after that and go ahead and let me know that you have a question um, or a comment. Uh-huh, we already have somebody. Actually, since I got an um, online one first, I'm going to start with that. So this one says, Dear Stefan, I have a question regarding the ideal partner list. I read this list to my best friend, and she said that I would never find a partner if these are my requirements because the things I'm looking for are contradictory. One of my beliefs is that my Soulmate doesn't exist. I'm now more confused than before. Well, it, it would really help me if you could mention what you think the contradictory things are. Um, is I'm, I'm a big fan of having an ambitious partner vision list. <clears throat> and I even made a, a video on the very topic of, you know, I'm afraid my soulmate doesn't exist because, you know, what I'm looking for is so unusual and particular and things like that. So you guys, if you're worried, <clears throat> not that there's contradictory things, but it's like when you look at your list, it's like, you know, my God, is there really a human being on this planet that has all these things? Um, I encourage you to stay ambitious and keep everything on that list. And you know, check out that other video, which will help you with that. Um, but the, if it's contradictory, I'd be very interested in seeing what that is. So if you can just type into the chat box, what these contradictory things are. And then we can go from there. Um, oh, let me just mute everybody who's... Okay. All right, so I did mute everybody. Um, but if you'd like to you know, raise your hand to talk, 
Uh, and just click on that button to raise your hand, and I'll call on you, and then I'll, I'll unmute you. Let's see. Okay, this person continued the, the contradictory things. Okay, so it says, it's being a good husband, a kind man, and a helping father, but also being an alpha male and traditional role model. So <clears throat> I don't really think that those things have to be contradictory. I think they can be contradictory. You know, if you think of an alpha male, traditional male, there's kind of the you know, stereotype of that, of where this alpha male is like, you know, I'm king of the castle and, you know, everybody in my family, my wife, my children will all do as I command, you know. So that kind of extreme case um, would be contradictory to what you're saying you're looking for. But I think it's, impo it's possible to be a strong alpha male who's sort of the, you know, traditional role model in the sense of, you know, He's the one who goes to work and supports the family and everything, and yet him also being kind and being willing to be helpful. So I think that is very possible. And one of the things that makes it more possible is by you standing up for that early on. So that, see, one of the things that can get people to a rut um, where the, you know, the man does his job and he gets home and he's pampered is if in the early phase of your relationship, that's what you do. It's like, oh, honey, you know, you've worked hard all day. Here, you sit down, put your feet up. Let me bring you, bring you, you know, something to drink. I'll rub your feet for you and all that stuff. And then he gets used to this. It's like, oh, when I get home, I don't have to do anything and she'll just pamper me. Um, that will kind of, if you start that way up until you get married, it will likely stay that way. But if you start that way and say, hey, you're home, you can relax, and I'll do something nice for you when you first get home, but then once you've been home for an hour, you know, honey, I'd like some help with such and such. And, and he, he goes, oh, come on, I'm tired. And he goes, I know, but, you know, things to be done here. You know, I really need your help. Then you kind of set the tone for somebody who's going to understand that, he's, that you need him to be helpful as well. I think you can do it. It just depends kind of on your strength of standing up for yourself. And it's not about being aggressive about it. It's just about just saying kind of more matter of fact. You know, okay, you know, I just, you know, I understand you're tired and you know, that's why I gave you, a, you know, the first hour of transition time. But now that you've had a chance to relax, it's, I need some help. <laughs> and you do that. Um, and kind is also very possible. So it's very possible to be a very strong and yet kind man. So I don't view those as necessarily contradictory. Only the extreme cases would be contradictory. So, and I hope that helped as an answer. <clears throat> okay, and then here's another question, um, which is actually by somebody who uh, mailed it in advance and is also asking me online. It's great that you're um, online so we can kind of have a dialogue about it. Let's see, are you able to talk? Yes. So let's, let's discuss your question. <clears throat> So I'm going to go ahead and unmute you. All right, you're unmuted. Hello? Yep, it's you. Hello? Oh, yeah. Hi, Hi Stefan. How are you doing? Good. I'm really glad that you're here. It's, it's great when people send me their question in advance and then are also online so we can actually talk about it because I can give so much better answers if it's that way. Oh, the last person said thank you, and, and you're very welcome. I'm glad that answer was helpful. <clears throat> so I'm going to go ahead and read the question that you posed. 
and then I'll start to answer it. We can discuss it. Okay. Okay. Um, so what you wrote is, <coughs> excuse me. My question is: Are there some blocks to attracting love in the subconscious so deep that they cannot be changed with EFT alone? Um, so my answer to that is no. There's no blocks that I've ever encountered that were so deep that they cannot be changed with EFT alone. The only thing I can say about that, the only you know exception to that, is. Some blocks are so deep that it's hard for us to do it by ourselves with EFT alone, right? Mm. Sometimes, um, and this is not an uncommon thing, actually. You know, people are, go through the breakthrough program, and you know, we all have a whole list of blocks. It's not just one, right? So a, we might have a list of 10 to 20 blocks. Um, and then, you know, we use the breakthrough program and work through, you know, each one one by one, and we try and do them all, and at some point, most of them all clear. It's like, yay, this one's not a problem anymore, and this one's not a problem anymore. But there can be one that is so deep or so big or so hard to have our own clarity about that we try and do it by ourselves, and it's like, huh, I can't seem to make progress on this one by myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then in that, in that case, you know, when or if that happens, then what works is doing it with somebody, you know, like doing a one-on-one session with me or, or somebody like me, something like that, um, you know, can then clear that final stubborn block. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, it makes you sense. Have, I've, worked you, with, I've worked with EFT practitioners in the past, uh, uh -huh. maybe two or, two or three. Are you willing um, to share what the block is? Yeah, so I'm not able to attract a partner. Well, I haven't attracted a partner, um, should we say, organically, that makes sense. I've, I've been uh -huh. on websites and everything. I've been out with a lot of uh, women. But it's, I'm, I'm not me, there's no connection with the women that I'm meeting. And it becomes a chore. And I've heard and I've read a lot of your stuff. And you even said, you know, I would get off the websites. So I did. <laughs> and I think it makes sense. Because website, sometimes it feels as if you're forcing it. It's yeah. not. Yeah. It's like it's, you're trying to manufacture it. And I've I've been out with maybe 30, 20 plus women, easy, maybe 30 on websites. I just got fed up with it. And then I listened to you and I said, you know, you're making sense. It's it, I, So I got off there. You know, it's got to be more natural because if the subconscious is ready, if it's programmed to do anything, it doesn't differentiate whether it's good or bad. It will just do it. So many people, most people, they just meet their partners, whether they're good or bad for them. They meet people because it's an organic thing. You know, they were given love mm -hmm. as a child. So you're programming the subconscious mind and the subconscious mind as it's growing up when you're a teenager and your parents are no longer going to or cannot pick you up and give you hugs and kisses. Your subconscious mind is still programmed to say, well, I'm expecting love. Yeah, because when you were a child, yeah, sure. when you were one, two, three, four years old, you're not there. Um, engineering it saying I want love for my parents you're just going well I was cuddled and this is what I expect and the next thing you know your aunt or uncle they just grab you and give you a cuddle because you're so cute because that's the way you're programmed now if you weren't given that love as a child and you're growing up and then you become um, you re reach puberty and you think well you know I'm attracted to the opposite sex so I have to you know I want a partner I want a woman for example 
um, if you haven't wasn't given that love before that as a child you, your subconscious mind is not programmed for that therefore it's an issue and I think that's what's happened to me does that make okay, sense so in your child <clears throat> oh yeah it makes total sense <clears throat> I just want to ask a couple questions <clears throat> so in your childhood did you get no love from either parent or was it a mixed bag like what was it what was um, I would say very little love because my, my dad was an alcoholic there was five kids um so my mum my dad wasn't interested in giving love because he was just basically drunk all the time I mean, he was like a severe drunk um and he probably kissed me once and my mum just didn't have the time it was almost it was all like violent at times because my mum would get so frustrated she was she would hit me you know because and or put me in a room and say just stay there it was and then you know i had other traumas so when i got into teenage years where I'm becoming a man thinking well that's all gone you know I'm in charge now I'm the boss but you're not consciously you may think you're the boss but you're not the boss are you the subconscious mind is the boss um so, so here, you know so here's an out. idea that yeah here's a, I, I'm having an idea listen to your story with that last line mm. he says you know now I'm the boss yeah so it sounds like you got violently rejected so dad oh, yeah was, you know, yeah drunk all the time and then your mom did yeah. violent rejections either by hitting you or banishing you into a room yeah, yeah. and when, when we experience that kind of violent energy we tend to kind of go in one direction or the other one extreme or the other so one extreme and sometimes we do both so one extreme is we be we feel like a victim I mean we are a victim in that situation but we we feel very powerless and we grow up feeling powerless. Okay, I'm, you know, you know, I've been victimized and I'm powerless, and we kind of, as an adult, kind of go through life from that place, um, mm. which has a certain outcome to it. Because then we tend to attract people who will, you know, victimize or dominate us. The other thing that can happen, though, is depending on our personality type, is <clears throat> we can react the opposite way. It's like, okay, I hate being powerless here I am as a kid I'm being you know getting this violence and I'm being victimized but I really hate it and I make this vow at a young age that you know what when I grew up I'm going to be the one that has the power right and then what happens is that we be, we we walk around with this angry energy that um, is very understandable you know because we were hurt so much growing up but we kind of if anything you know it, it was, we kind of become we take on more of the victimizers energy than the victim energy so people tend to go one ex, one extreme or the other they, they kind of stay stuck in the victim place or they kind of swing the other way into the victimizer place which is not to say that you victimized anybody but it, the victimizer is the person who feels like I have to be in charge and there's this undercurrent of anger and an undercurrent of a desire to control, to be in control. And I don't know mm. if that applies to you, but when you that line that you said just really jumped yeah. out at me. It's like, ah, oh, you know, now I'm in charge. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it was more that now that I'm, you know, as you get older, hit teenagers, you want you, you want to be your own person. I think uh -huh. that what's going on with me is that I'm trying to protect myself from being hurt or being rejected. Because the last time I had a okay. relationship was maybe about three years ago, 
and I broke it off. Uh -huh. I spoke to a therapist and we got chatting and he said, and, I, I, and he said, well, why did you break it off? And I said, well, I didn't want to hurt her. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you didn't want to get hurt. And then I thought, uh -huh. yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. You didn't want to get hurt. And what made you think that you would hurt her? That you said you want to protect yourself from hurting her? In what way were you thinking well, of hurting her? Consciously, I was going out with her. I didn't go out with her for that long. Maybe it was a few months. And I felt that she was getting close. And I, I don't know what it was. I just, I said to her, look, I need to break it off. She said, why? As you know, I said, well, I don't want you to get hurt. But when the therapist, when I spoke to him about it, he said, you may, maybe the other way around, you didn't want to get hurt. And it just, a bell sort of rang, thinking actually, I'm kind of protecting myself from. Yeah, that so there's, that's, that's another really important factor, you're right. Um, when we see when we're a child, you know, you talk about, you know, if you grew up with love, then you come to expect love, which I totally agree with. Mm. But the other thing is, is that, um, you know, we all develop some level of fears around intimacy. And if you grow up in an environment with a lot of danger, then you end up feeling that intimacy is dangerous, that it's this unsafe, yeah. scary thing, even as we also want it. So one of the things that can happen is, is what you said, which is, as you start getting close to somebody, as things start to get really re real after the honeymoon phase is over, and the honeymoon phase we're in a state of euphoria and we don't care about anything other than just I want to be with this person, right? And then at some point the, the honeymoon phase, phase passes and you start shifting to a more, a more real connection. And as that real connection starts to deepen, our fears around intimacy start to get bigger and bigger because we're starting to experience more and more real intimacy, right? And so um, they can do that very thing that you said, which is out of a fear of, uh, you know, getting hurt in the same way we were as a child, we can start pushing our partner away more and more, even up to and including breaking it off. Like things are just getting way too real here. I got, I'm, I got to get out of here. It's getting too, just way too scary. So what I yeah. would think would help, would help you the most, and it will actually help you in both areas, whether or not you've pick, you picked up any of the victimizer energy or just to address your fears around intimacy, is I would do a lot of anger work around your mom's violence. You know, there's a recording in there about mm -hmm. an angry parent. Yeah. Um, I don't remember wh which, which week it is. But there's, you know, there's an angry parent recording there. I would do that one multiple times where see, there's a part of you that's still furious at her, rightfully so, justifiably so, for the way she treated you, that when you were trying to express your needs, um, instead of you know, attending to your needs, which a loving mother would do, she got angry at you and hit you and sent you away. And maybe even sent you, yeah. banished you to a room, right? That was, you know, so rejecting and so bad. There's a part of you that's still super furious about that. And there's another part that's also really hurt by it and things like that. So I would get into it. I would, I would redo that session over and over again. And, you know, there's that anger part of the session where you stand up for yourself. And I would do it in a place where you could yell at the top of your lungs and just like really blast your anger as loud and hard and strong as you possibly can. Um, and just yeah. each time you do it, push yourself to do it even louder. And then okay. have a loving reconciliation at the end. 
with oh so uh, i'm um so i'm being angry in my mind towards my mom and then reconcile yeah now after okay. you do that you know there's a part where we normally do this thing where we have our adult self give to our inner child what he or she was needing and not getting in that experience right but what i would like you to do instead is imagine that somebody waved a magic wand and healed all of your mother's childhood issues so okay. that she became really open-hearted and loving so it's like mm. your your healed and, and reformed mother and then have her be loving have her apologize for what she did and to be really loving and then sort of imagine her being loving in different scenarios to, to counteract balance out um, what she did uh, what she actually did right so there's what she really did growing up and then we're trying to heal that so we want to kind of imagine that she's really re reformed and transformed yeah. does that make sense okay yeah yeah no yeah it makes perfect makes perfect sense I've tried so much stuff tried to reprogram the my subconscious mind um, just briefly just one more thing that um, so I had all that and then I had a car accident which I, w I was almost killed when I was like nine years old and I was kind of left in wow, the hospital okay. I remember that and then my parents came to see me and they left me because they had to go but as a nine-year-old you can't kind of calculate where they're going so I think that may have had some impact as well it's like super rejection it's like you know I'm I think yeah I'm that's a huge abandonment yeah yeah, yeah 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 I agree exactly. that'd be a, that's a good one to do yeah anytime mm -hmm. we get abandoned then we become very scared of being abandoned again Yes. You know, our yeah, our biggest fears tend to be around repeating what happened to us when we were a kid. Yeah. So, abandon, um, you, you experience major rejection on a frequent basis, and then you experience yeah. this huge abandonment. I was in an auto accident when I was 10 myself, and my okay. mother was in my hospital room every day. Mm. You know, so, yeah. yeah that's, See, that's what I needed. You, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what you needed. That's what I needed too. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. Um, okay, so is yeah, that's a, a big one. Too. That's a, tapping, a big one to heal. Yeah. Is there a tapping session on abandonment in the, in the files? Well, I would put that in the category of emotionally unavailable, and there's okay. there's three sessions on emotionally unavailable parent. Okay. So I would I'd replay each of the three and see which one feels the most relevant. You know, that somehow okay. feels like this one where I think this one would be best for trying to address that uh, okay but, um, you know yes. things that are super major are, are the kind that can be challenging to do on our own so you know I recommend using those recordings and, and really trying to work through it multiple times and if you're yeah. just not able to do it on your own then you know I invite you to contact me and then we can do it one-on-one -on -one. Okay. and doing it one-on-one -on -one will okay. work yeah Okay. That's okay. Brilliant. If nothing else works. Yeah. yeah. You're very welcome. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for for your time. Thanks. Yeah. Sure. You're very welcome. All right. Um, let's see. We have another question. I love how people are jumping in with questions quickly. You know, the, the live people. This is great. Um, this one says, "Hi, Stefan. I've been tapping for about three years. For the better part of nine months." I've met with my ET coach at least once every two weeks, if not once a week. I find that tapping relaxes me, but I still have the same issues. I feel that hardly anything has shifted. What am I missing? 
All right, let me bring you on because that's I need information to really answer that question. Yes, I'm here. So, hey there. Hi. Okay. Hi. So again, I'm so glad you're online. This would have been a tough question to answer. I don't have to ask you these questions. <clears throat> so give me an example of an issue that hasn't shifted, hasn't changed for you. Okay, so um, like your previous uh, caller there, um, my my parents um, either you know one was working kind of too hard, uh, the other one wasn't really there. So what would happen is that um, my dad would uh, you know he would he would mix like manipulation with love. So and he would always disappoint me. Um, and he'd always put like a lot of pressure and stress onto me. So uh, so then all these things got all mixed up. Okay. Um, so are you are you are you doing the sessions in, in addition to working with this coach one on one? Are you doing the sessions in the program? Um, I started it, but uh, I'll have more time. But my work is very intense as well. So right. I you know I haven't had time to go through all the sessions yet. But I will make okay. some time in, you know, as soon as my season ends for my for my crew, I, I run a business. That's another problem. It's, a, it's almost okay. like I recreate the chaos that, you know, so I don't have to deal with my own problems. Um, um, well, there is, there is a, <laughs> you're actually right that, you know, what we experienced growing up, we, it becomes sort of our norm, you know, this, the modeling that our parents do. And we can recreate the chaos, you know, that kind of thing. You're right about that. Well, let me ask you a question about the EFT coach you're working with. Do, do you guys mainly spend your time working on memories, or do you guys tap on the issues directly? Um, usually, we tap on the issues, what what are the triggers. But like, like I said, like we've been tapping for a while, and I just like I like her a lot. Uh, but she talks about things like uh -huh. forgiveness and stuff, and like ultimately, I, I feel that forgiveness is great, but I'm nowhere close to be there. Like, not to say I, I love my dad, but I, like, the older I get, the harder it gets for me to forgive because I have a daughter of my own, and for me to treat her in the same way my dad did, I, I would really hate myself. Sure, sure. One of the cool things about life is that we all tend to treat our children better than we were treated, at least to some degree. Sometimes way better. So here, let me let me say something about EFT coaches. Um, <clears throat> they come in kind of two general categories um, that I call top-down versus bottom-up. A top-down coach is someone who tries to tap on the issues themselves um, and try and get them to shift that way. A bottom-up coach is the kind that goes. Rather than try and tap on the issues, you know, like the symptoms of the issues, I'm going to look for the root cause experiences that created the issues, which are going to be memories, right? Things that happened when we were a kid. And I'm going to heal those memories in some, you know, different ways, right? Standard EFT, you just relive the memory and tap until the pain is gone, at which point it's considered healed. Um, and then the way I do it, is more than that, right? We tap on the pain, but we also do the anger part. We stand up for ourselves, and then we also help our inner child get his or her needs met. You know, the thing, the need that was not being met in that memory. So what I do, I think, is a lot more thorough. But either one way or the other, um, for big issues, in my view, 
you have to do you have to be spending almost all your time healing memories rather than trying to tap on the issues directly. Um, I find that which is a top-down approach. The bottom-up approach is what I find necessary um, to really shift major life issues. Otherwise, you'll have the experience you have where you just tap for months. You know, EFT can be fantastic, but it really depends on how you apply it. And uh, you know, if you Gary Craig was the guy who founded EFT, and he talked about the same thing that you, if you really want to change life issues, you need to heal the root cause memories that created those issues. So you mean you have to make a shift of the memories itself versus just tapping on like the traumatic experiences that you have? Because yeah, like you need to go back mean, to the origin. I'll give you, you make I'll give you an example so you'll understand it better and everybody else as well. Let's say you had a parent who was super critical in a mean way. So they weren't just pointing out what was wrong, but they were kind of nasty about it. And they would, you know, you would try and do something, let's say it was dad, and he'd go, what are you, stupid? You know, that's, you know, that's terrible. Here, let me, let me do it for you. I'll, I'll do that. You, know, that was, you can't do it. You can't do anything right, you know. You're, you're, you're hopeless. And, you know, it's just a real bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. So these would be the original experiences that, that this person had when they were a child, right? Now, as an adult, they are, and then as a child, what they tried to do is, you know, try and win that parent's approval and never succeeded. So they became kind of a people pleaser, you know, behavior, right? So, you know, I'll do whatever you want. I'm just trying to win his, you know, win daddy's approval. So then as an adult, this person has, you know, low self-confidence. They tend to think that they don't do anything right um, and they're not good enough. And they still tend to do this people pleasing behavior. So the top-down approach would be to just tap on the feelings. Even though I feel like I'm, I'm not good enough and I don't do anything right, I deep and profoundly love and accept myself. You would, you would tap on those kinds of things. And unfortunately, that usually doesn't do it. If you want to change this, this major life issue that this person is now living with, what you want to do is pick a few, like three or four representative memories from as young as you can remember, ideally you know, somewhere in the zero to seven-year-old range, but, but like, and heal but that, those example memories. You know, I, I, okay, that, that's what we do, but I still feel like it just, it's not enough. It's almost like, like it, I feel like it's, a, it's like a circle. Do so you do work so, on memories? Yeah, yeah, do we do. do so you I, actually do work yeah, on memories? Yeah, so okay, it's like so a I circle. first asked you, I said, do you tap on the issue or do you tap on memories? Okay. I, I misunderstood. Well, in that case, yeah, it's okay. That's fine. So I think um, the only thing I can say then is one of the things that I felt was um, not fully sufficient about regular EFT. So with regular EFT, you, know, you, you heal a memory, like I said, by just simply reliving it, feeling the painful emotions, and tapping until the painful emotions go away. And the example I gave, though, in, in, in any experience that is disempowering to the child, which is a lot of them, right? When a parent is critical, an example I gave, a parent is angry, like in the person before, uh, if, a person, if a parent is abandoning, these are all very painful, disempowering memories. And one of the things that happens when we experience that kind of thing over and over again is that no matter how much we hate the way we're being treated, deep down, 
subconsciously, we come to believe we deserve to be treated that way. And I think just accurate. releasing the pain, yeah. So just releasing the pain what happened doesn't actually affect that part. So I'll give you another example. I had a, a new client you know, start doing one-on-one -on -one sessions with me. And she had a certain pattern with men that came from a certain experience with her father. And, you know, I, I pointed that out to her. And she goes, yep, I already knew that. And, in fact, I already healed that memory with another EFU practitioner. We brought it all the way to zero. And, she, and I said, but do you still have the pattern? She goes, yeah, I still have the pattern. So, like you, it didn't shift, right? Yeah. So, I said, you know, would you be willing to try that memory one more time? And, she, you know, she finally reluctantly agreed. So, we started the way I usually work. And I tried doing a little tapping on it to see if I could uncover any feelings just to begin with. And it was a zero, like she said. And then I got into that anger part where we help our inner child stand up for him or herself. And as soon as we started that, her memory that she thought was a level zero jumped up to a level eight out of ten. Because that aspect of the, of the experience was completely unaddressed by just reliving what happened and tapping on the pain. So this this thing about feeling completely disempowered um, and you know absorbing and feel like we deserve to be treated that way was not addressed with doing regular EFT. As soon as we, I, you know, I brought in the stand up for the self part, all of a sudden she had all these super intense feelings that she had not been aware of the first time. We worked through that. We then did the third part, which is to help her inner child get the, her need met in that situation. And then the pattern shifted. So even EFT, as great as it is, I don't think it's sufficient for some things. Some things is fine. It's great and a lot better than traditional therapy. But for certain things, I think even regular EFT alone is not sufficient. And what really, this three-part process that we do is what really does it. Because it addresses all three parts of the experience. The pain, the disempowerment, coming to believe that I deserve to be treated this way, and then finally meeting the unmet need of the experience. I think that's what really does it. But I almost feel like so I have like my this repressed anger because of all that stuff. And it's like, it's so much, it's so much yeah. anger that I just let it out and like, but but it's almost like I don't want to let it out because I'm scared to let it out. It's so much anger. Yes, and you have every right to have so much anger. And a lot of people are scared to let it out because they feel like it's, it'll never end. Like they'll be- Well, this, knowing that, I'm afraid you know, that I'll just- Ni Niagara Falls of anger. Yeah, right? I feel like I lose control, yeah. Lose control, right. So the way we lose control, by the way, is keeping the anger in so that it keeps building like a pressure cooker. That's what causes us to lose control. So the, way, the analogy that I, I think helps people the most is to think of it as like a tank of water. You know, when something painful happens, we have an emotional reaction to it, usually actually multiple feelings. So you're probably not only super angry, but also deeply hurt. And that all the emotions we feel from that experience, you can think of it as like a tank of water. It could be a small tank, a medium-sized tank, or a really big tank. But expressing the emotion, anger would be yelling, sadness and hurt would be crying, whatever the expression is for that emotion. By expressing the emotion, it's like opening the spigot and, and draining the water out of the tank. And if you do it long enough, eventually the tank will be empty. Now, this is just regular emotional healing. It's not even, got nothing to do with EFT. But if you add EFT to that, you're, you're going to drain the tank much faster many times faster than if you just express the emotions. Before I learned EFT, I, I did gestalt therapy. It was all about 
getting the emotions out. Um, mm. So that middle piece actually is from Gestalt therapy in our work. Um, so what I would encourage you to do is uh, get into the anger in a super big way. And the way that we do in the sessions, only do it louder and longer. Like pause the audio and just do it. Like uh, get a plastic bat or a tennis racket and just start beating the mattress of your bed. And just yelling out the anger. Um, and you'll drain your tank that way. And then go back into the session and then do the your inner child getting what he was needing in that situation part. Um, if you do that well enough, you're going to start really seeing this shift in a big way. If you have a hard time doing that on your own, we could do it together. Sometimes people have a hard time doing that for the first time on their own, so we'll do a session doing it together once. And then after that, bam, they can do it on their own for all the, you know, everything else that they do. So that's another thing that can help. And sometimes people have a hard time letting themselves go there, you know, really get into the anger and express it. But I think you have a ton of very legitimate anger. I agree with you. You don't start with forgiveness. Forgiveness comes at the end after you work through all the anger. Um, it's, it, you, don't, you don't try and start there because that's kind of shortchanging your experience and all your feelings. You, know, it's, it's, you want to go through the feelings to ultimately get to a place of forgiveness. And, and then it's natural. You don't have to try and forgive. It just happens. So that's what I would encourage you to do. Okay, it seems like a lot in that, that uh, what you said there. Um, it is a lot. You know, you have a lot of anger. That's why some people have a hard time doing their own, so sometimes you need some one-on-one support to do that. So I think that's the path. I mean, you're already getting one-on-one support. You'd have to, I don't know if that EFT coach can do that kind of thing or not. You know, if she can't, I can certainly do that with you. Um, but I think I guess that's what, what it's going to take. We'll have to be in contact and and see what I'm exactly what I'm missing so I can progress. Because the idea is to get better, not to keep on going in circles. That just yes. feels like I'm missing yes. my time. Absolutely. So. Right. Time and money. So yeah, um, try you know try listening to other recordings and see if you can get into the anger part on your own. And if you're having trouble with that. Um, I find most EFT practitioners, most actually most therapists, not just EFT practitioners, have a hard time with working with anger. Um, gestalt therapists can do it because we work with all the emotions. Uh, so if it's hard, you know, you know, I, I'm very happy to do, help you one-on-one with that. Okay, I, I will. I'll reach out and then you can let me know what how it works. You charge per session or per hour or whatever you, how it works. Okay. Yeah, per session. Yeah, yeah, typical. Just probably like your other coach. Okay. Thank you. All right. You're very welcome. Okay. So, meet him. Let's see. Okay. So, so far, nobody else has raised their hand or chat, sent me a chat message. So, I'm going to go to the um, the message. You know, the questions are sent to me. Okay. This this one says. <clears throat> Now that I feel that my relationship with my dad has changed to a more positive side, I have a question. Do I have to unconsciously be interested in men that are like him? How does it work now? I feel a bit confused. Also, it creeps me out to have to be interested in men like him, so I don't know. What would you say about that? Okay. So I can understand why it would creep you out to think that you would have to be interested in men like your dad. But here's how we work, how we all tend to work. Is that 
when we're growing up, um, we get we get we tend to have you know mixed experiences with our parents, positive ones and negative ones. Whatever the strongest mixed experience, uh, strong, uh, strongest experiences are, we subconsciously become attracted to people that will do similar things. So if we think of it in terms of traits, right? Our parents have positive traits and negative traits. Um, whichever were the strongest traits of our parents is what will, we will be attracted to, both positive and negative. So it's not just your dad. If you're a woman and your mom, if you're a boy or a girl or a, boy, a guy, whatever. Um, it's, it's both parents. So, you know, if you have a parent who's, uh, you know, has, it's really fun with a great sense of humor of either gender, you're going to be attracted to people with, you know, really good sense of humor and, and fun. Okay, so these are not bad things. What's bad is being attracted to somebody with the negative traits of our parents. That's what we try and do in this program is to clear out those negative attractions because the positive attractions are fine. So it's not really necessarily so much that's like your dad as if you're, you know, attracted to another dad, you know, you know, just the same. It's more like you'd be attracted to somebody who has similar positive traits to, to both of your parents, not just your dad. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? These are, these are good traits. So it's, these are good things. You know, so somebody, you know, if one of your parents was kind, and like really kind in a big way, you'll be try, attracted to kind people. So again, nothing wrong with that. I can see the idea of like I have to be I'm going to be attracted to somebody just like my dad and kind of creep you out. But I would encourage you to think of it in a more general terms as positive traits of both your parents. So I hope I hope that helps you feel a little bit better about it now. And now that you've also gotten a better relationship with him, worked out some of this stuff, you're probably much less likely to be attracted to somebody with his and your mom's negative traits. That's the whole point. All right, any other questions by anybody? Nobody raising their hand, no chat. Okay, so I'll move on to the next question from email. All right, this one says, I grew up with a bipolar mother who was very erratic and chaotic and unbalanced. So bipolar means that the person can have these sort of hectic, euphoric kind of craziness on the upside and depression on the downside. Uh, she was definitely not the best female role model for me growing up, and she died when I was eight years old. Okay, so that's a traumatic thing. Even with a negative parent or a problematic parent, when they die when we're that young, that's a big, that's a big uh, trauma for us. I have had reasonably good relationships until I turned 30 when I got married. I have now divorced. My ex-husband and the partner I am uh, with currently both have anger issues mental health issues. Both are not good with money. Both use verbal and emotional abuse as a means of power and control, both of whom I don't, didn't feel secure or completely safe with. This is how I felt with my mother growing up. These are most of her negative traits. Okay, that was just the thing we were talking about. I'm not sure where my current relationship, relationship is, honestly, going to go, but I would like to tap to remove these attraction patterns from within myself so I can create a better future. What is the best way of approaching this? It feels like a mountain of issues and I'm not quite sure where to start. I'm hoping that by tapping, I can either improve my current relationship or get to a place where I feel confident enough to move on and hopefully attract a relationship that is much healthier in the future. What I want most in a romantic relationship is harmony, balance, respect, trust, and integrity. 
Okay. So I think uh, you can very much heal this stuff so that you can have a healthy relationship. Um, chances are you're, it's probably not going to work with your current partner because he's, he's probably fits, you know, as you said, he has the same traits as your mother did. So he's likely a negative partner that you're ultimately going to want to break up with. And in fact, the longer you're with him, it will tend to slow down your progress because a party you will know that as you heal, you're probably going to have to break up with them. And to whatever extent you don't feel ready to break up with them will lead you to slow down your healing process. So as hard as it might be, ideally speaking, I would recommend you kind of end it now. You can get support from your friends and things. Because I don't want you to have to continue to go through uh, being with somebody who has anger issues and verbal emotional abuse and you know as a means of power control and that you don't feel safe with these these are bad things so the way we address this for any negative trait is we heal representative memories of that negative trait the youngest we can remember like i said ideally between zero and seven if you can if not older but as young as you can remember so what you want to do for each negative trait so anger issues so your mom had big anger issues I would remember, you know, three or four memories of her being super angry in whatever way she tended to do that. You know, one of the recordings is about a parent with anger issues. Um, same with, uh, you know, verbal emotional abuse and uh, a controlling parent. There's recording for a controlling parent. So I would just, I would work on those. Um, not good with money. Actually, don't remember. You know, there's over 30 different healing sessions in there, so I don't remember what every single one of them is. Um, if there is one on some, a parent that's not good with money, that'd be good to do. Um, if not, uh, I would try and just work with memories where you witness them not being good with money and try and heal those. Um, and remember, you want to do all three parts. The feelings, the standing up for yourself part, and then getting your need met. And getting your need met may be just in your imagination. Like you kind of come up with a new positive scenario to replace the old one. So anyway, that's what I recommend. I know it seems like a mountain, but if you address each one one by one, you will get there. And it won't take super long. You know, we're, we're talking months, not years, not even many, many months, right? It's going to be, you know, a few months of doing this. And you'll get through it. So um, that's what I would recommend. Let's see. Anybody raising their hand? Nope. Any new chat messages? Nope. Okay. So I'll move on to the next question. Um, this one says, uh, thank you for answering our questions. Uh, I am only about halfway through the Single to Soulmate program, but it has really opened my eyes. I have always known my childhood ha has impacted my life, and I was always fearful that I would end up in a marriage like my parents. I knew I needed to change, but I had no idea, idea how to even start. I finally feel like I'm on the right path to finding the relationship I want and deserve. So that's fantastic. I'm really glad that you found the program that you're now, you know, that opened your eyes and you're, you're now on the healing path that's going to get you what you want. That's wonderful. Um, so here's the question part. Growing up, I would say my father was pretty verbally abusive, both to my mom and to my sister and me. And my mom was somewhat distant and critical. My parents are still alive. My dad has mellowed a bit, but still has moments where 
enjoys tearing us down. My mom can still be pretty critical. So my question is this. I understand we are tapping on childhood memories, but what if similar incidents are still occurring? What is your recommendation on how to handle relationships with the people who caused you so much pain growing up when they still sometimes act the same way? I do not live near my parents and only see them one or two times per year, although I still speak to him on the phone. I limit the time I speak to my dad in order not to give him a chance to treat me the way he did when I was younger, but not sure if this is the best way to protect myself. Okay, it is often the case of what you just described. You know, our parents, a lot of people stay more or less the same, you know, their whole lives. Um, so when we're little kids, to until they die, <laughs> you know, until our parents die, they, they pretty much teach you the same. Sometimes they mellow out a bit, like your dad, like you said. Sometimes they get a little worse over time, actually. Um, and every once in a while, they'll really transform in a really good, big way. That's not very often. So yeah, we will tend to continue to get treated the same way by them as an adult. But the answer is still the same. Unfortunately, we don't want to tap on, try and tap on adult experiences because our formative years are from zero to seven. That's why I keep saying try and find memories from zero to seven. That's when our life issues were created. So what works the best is tapping on memories from that age range. You, know, you can use an eight or nine-year-old memory too, because you know, it's still pretty close. Um, but uh, tapping on adult memories doesn't tend to do as much. What you can, what you will notice though, is as you tap on your childhood memories using the program and do all the healing, your relationship with your parents will change because you will start acting differently with them. And you'll become um, less impacted by how they treat you. You'll become more assertive. You'll stand up for yourself more. You'll be better with boundaries, and not the boundaries of avoidance, where okay, I'm just gonna you know, avoid interacting with this person or not see them, but boundaries of standing up for yourself. If, like, if you're, one of your parents is being critical, you might interrupt and go, no, it's not okay to criticize me about that. You know, I'm not interested in your criticism. You know, if you got something that you want to appreciate about me, that'd be great. But if you're just going to criticize, I'm not interested. You, can just, you just stand up for yourself. Have boundaries right in the moment. Um, so you'll, you'll see your relationship with your parents change. And as you change, they will change as well. Initially, they resist your change because they're used to treating you the way they treat you. Sometimes, you know, they might, you know, when we change and treat them and act a new way with them, they, they get upset, like, whoa, you're, you know, you're rocking the boat. You're changing the way things always were. Uh, but eventually, they, they get used to it and accept it, and they actually respect you more, ultimately, because you're standing up for yourself, and that's a good thing. All right, let's see. Okay, so that's uh, the last of the emailed in questions. So we got uh, nine minutes left. So if anybody who's live has another question, let's do it. And it's okay if, if you've already asked a question. You're, you're, you're welcome to ask more than one. You know, as long as we have time, um, answer any questions people have. So raise your hand if you're able to talk online or chat me the question. And if it's going to take you a while to finish chatting the question, um, just just chat saying with a cue, hit you know, hit submit, so I know that you're you're composing your question, so I know that it's coming, and then uh, I'll wait for it. And if you can talk directly, just raise your hand. Click on that little button thing to raise your hand, and I'll call on you. So we got. Uh, 
Eight minutes left. Anybody have a question? <clears throat> so one thing, while I'm waiting to see if there's a question, I'd like to give everybody a little bit of, of advice as they work the program. Um, I have a recommendation, basically. There's, um, the, you know, the way that we that I did the healing sessions in the program was, as I said, this three-part process. First part is you tap on the pain of what happened. The second part is we help our inner child stand up for her or himself with the parent or even sibling, if it's a sibling memory. And then the third part is to help our inner child get, uh, you know, get the, her her his need fulfilled. And the way that I tended to did it in the program back then was just have our adult self, you know, fulfill that need, give to our inner child what was missing, right? And you can still do that. One of the things I find though that works a little better is to do what I said to the person earlier in this call, which is to imagine that somehow your parent got healed and transformed into a loving parent. And if that feels too hard, then just imagine an ideal parent, an ideal mother, an ideal father, the kind of mother or father that you wished you had had instead of the one you did have, and then have that ideal parent give to your inner child what uh, he or she was missing. Okay. It's, it, there's something that's even extra healing to, for a parental figure to finally give our inner child um, what she or he was really longing for instead of the painful behavior. I mean, sure, ultimately we, we give it to ourselves, from our adult self to our inner child. And that does still work, so it's not saying necessarily stop that. Um, but you, uh, if you do it with an ideal parent or a reformed your own parent, I think that works just even better. So it's just a suggestion for everybody. Does anybody have a question? And if we don't, we'll stop just a little early. Close to an hour anyway, so. Anybody? So I'm about to end the call. If you have a last second question, just type a Q and submit that so I know that you're writing the question. And then uh, I'll wait for you otherwise. We're going to end the call in 30 seconds. Okay. Anybody wants to raise their hand, type in a chat message. Uh, one person wrote, thank you for everything. You are very welcome. Uh, I get great pleasure from doing this. I, I really love being able to help you guys. And uh, you know, just continue to support you through this process. As you're going through the program and even after you meet somebody and you're wanting help in your relationship. You know, I, it's, this, this is my mission. This is what, what I'm all about, what feels so fulfilling to me. All right, so um, no more questions. So we'll go ahead and end for now and we will have our next call uh, in December. Um, in the meantime, keep tapping on those early childhood memories to heal you know, the wounds from those negative traits so you can stop being attracted to those people and you know, just become so much 
uh, healthier emotionally, you know, which you'll end up feeling much better about yourself, more confident, able to stand up for yourself, all sorts of wonderful things. And one of the most appealing traits that we can have as a single person out there looking to meet our soulmate is feeling good about ourselves, you know, feeling a sense of calm confidence, feeling comfortable on the skin. There's nothing more attractive. So that is where you can all get to by healing all this stuff from your childhood. We all get there eventually. All right. Keep tapping, everybody, and see you next month. Bye-bye. Oh, somebody wrote, thanks a lot. Yes, you're very welcome. All right. Take care, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.